You're listening to part one of a two-part Thursday sports extravaganza. It's all next. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game. Pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right. The hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress. There's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chests and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or Google Play. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where I put up a new rewatchables on Monday, Sudden Death, the Van Damme classic. Me and Kyle Brandt did that one Sunday night. 7.05 PT, 10.05 ET, right after Succession ends, episode six on the Prestige TV podcast. Sean Fantasy, Joanne Robinson, I'll be breaking down episode six of Succession. Also, if you want more draft coverage than what we're going to be giving you in part two of this podcast with Shio Kapadia, you can listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show podcast, you can listen to the Ringer NFL Show, both of those going up late tonight, and then Ryan Rosillo tomorrow, so we have you covered on the NFL Draft on this one, part one, it's something I taped on Thursday afternoon because I was so dumbfounded by the Bucks Heat series and all of the storylines from that, all the best player storylines. What do we think about Giannis going forward? Jimmy Butler, who's going to be the best player in the league, the new wearer of the championship belt, a thing that we've talked about so many times on this podcast, but I really do care about it. Also, what went wrong for the Bucks? Is it fixable? Rob Mahoney, Big Waz, Wazdin Lambre, and I. We just broke it down. We deep dove it to the point that we decided to split this up into two parts. So this is part one. Great discussion. Can't wait for you to listen to it. Part two coming up a little bit later tonight. NFL draft and then Hawks Celtics reaction. So stay tuned for that. This is part one. I think we need our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this part of the podcast before Hawks-Celtics game six. So just want to get that out there in case Jason Tatum has 70 points because that would be relevant for the conversation we're about to have. Bucks heat happened last night. The Heat knocked out the Bucks. Big Waz, Rob Mahoney, you guys did a podcast right after. And then Giannis had this press conference that you didn't know about during the podcast that became a talking point today. And it got me thinking about a lot of big picture stuff, a lot of legacy stuff. He was basically saying, we lost... It happens. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Michael Jordan won six titles. He lost nine seasons. Were those nine seasons failure? They turned into this whole everybody talking, which is kind of in the air this week because we had that first take segment with JJ Redick and Stephen A. Smith, where Stephen A. is like, the Clippers should commit some to retire. And JJ got mad and talked about how hard it is to come back. So I'm always careful about how hard to go on players when they say stuff like, this wasn't a failure. I don't want to hear about failures. Guys, that was one of the biggest failures in NBA playoff <laughs> history. And I have big questions coming out of it about Giannis, who for the last half decade was the best player in the league, give or take a couple months here or there. But if you're going to say who had the best five-year stretch, it was Giannis. I think we went in the playoffs thinking he was the best player in the league, best two-way guy, most reliable night-to-night force. He did get hurt during the series, but he did seem pretty healthy the last two games. Um, 
I feel like the championship belt is now available. The best player championship belt mm. is now levitating above the ring like a money in the bank match <laughs> for these next three rounds. So we'll start with Giannis and then we'll go into the contenders. Rob, from what you saw from Giannis in this series and this season, do you think he's the best player in the league anymore? Yeah, this isn't the best day to make that argument, mm. but I do. I still think he's the best player in the world. I think the reason we have these conversations, though, is because right now the NBA is not a first, second, third definitive podium of best players. It's kind of a platform. It's kind of a stage. And there's guys who are going to rotate around, maybe five guys in that group who are on like kind of equal footing, and they don't outrank each other so much as they just revolve around one another. And so this was clearly not Giannis's time. Had some great moments in the series, had some disastrous moments in the series. It was also just absent for part of it. Great players lose sometimes. I, I'm kind of, I'm with him in the sense that this is clearly a letdown. Is this a colossal failure that should change the shape of his career? I don't know, man. Sometimes great players lose series. I, I, I see this as more of a collective issue for the Bucks, something that goes well beyond Giannis than like, this is, this is the definitive argument that he's not the best player in the league anymore. I, I just don't see that. All right, I have some thoughts on that, but Waz, you go. What's your take? I hear everything Rob just said. However, if Giannis played the way that he played, say, last year in the series, they win, right? He did not play like the best player in the league in this series. He made, I think, a total of two jump shots away from... Two jump shots, literally, out of like 24, away, not three feet within three feet of the basket the entire series. He was not as impactful defensively. I think that's sort of the theory of Giannis as best player in the league is yeah. that on defense, he's probably a top five defender. He was not in that series. If you go back and look at what he was doing to Boston last year, where dudes wouldn't even look at the freaking rim when Giannis was on the floor, that just was not the case in this series. The free throws have to matter. It's way worse than it's ever been for him. Um, and, he, you know, he just... To the point, not only is he missing them um, at a ter terrible rate, it's compounded by the fact he's throwing the ball all around the place at the end of the game because he's so petrified of going to the line in a big moment. I think you got to sort of strip it away from him because he did not play his best in a series that his team needed, absolutely needed him to be the best player in the world in order to win, which is kind of crazy to say. I'm really proud of us. This is the most ESPN conversation I've had in the pod in a while. So I'm really excited to be having it. I think the key point for me is all season, and this is why I ultimately couldn't get there with MVP for him on top of the durability stuff because he missed 19 games. I just didn't think offensively he was as good. And the stats backed it up. And I even talked about this a few weeks ago, um, but I'm just going to do it again really quickly. Within three feet, he shot 75, 74, 75%, right? He's, he's Shaq around the rim. There's no question. But from three to 10 feet in, two th in the 2021 season, he was 40%. And last year, he was 42%. This year, he was 35%. Then you go 10 to 16 feet, 35%. Then you go 16 to the three-point line, 35%. Then you go three-point shooting, 27.5%. So basically, from four feet and out, he was like a 31% shooter this year. And that was not the case. And you think back to the yeah. finals when, when he laid it on the Suns, part of how he laid it on the Suns, he made big free throws in big pressure spots. And he did make that little elbow jumper. He made a couple threes. That's fluky. Those always came and went. But he wasn't afraid to shoot from 15, 16 feet. And he wasn't afraid to get fouled. And what changed for me in this series and really the whole season, the thing I noticed is that it was over and over again, him just trying to get as close to the basket as he could versus the defense being like, take that 15-footer. In the past, he took it. And this year, he didn't. And you look at the last two close games that the Bucks lost, they blew leads and their offense fell apart. Why did it fall apart? They missed easy shots. Game four, they missed a shit, you know, little jump hooks, little layups, wide open threes. Then this last game, it got worse where the point, everyone looked scared to shoot. So Rob, do you think he's the same guy he was offensively two years ago? Because I don't think he is. Yeah. And to Waz's point, I think this is where it rings true. He was not the player he needed to be in this series for them to win. But just think about that on its face, right? In this elimination game, Giannis has 38 and 20. Right. And we're sitting here saying like, 
he did not play up to his it's standard. Not it's not, not enough, enough because his standard is the best player in the league, right? That sure. is what we, we have come to expect from him in these moments to be exactly that dominant. But, you know, Giannis said this at the beginning of this season. He was asked if he thinks he was is the best player in the league then. And what he said was, Steph is the best player in the league. Because the mm. best player is the last guy standing, the guy who takes mm. his team, who gets through these moments. So I think Giannis would be the first to tell you that after this kind of series, he needs to hand the belt off to somebody else. Do we all have to think that? Do we all have to agree with it? Do we all have to pile on at this particular yeah. moment? No, but yes. I think there's ways to watch. <laughs> Come on. Well, he's still great. Bad. He's still Giannis. Rob, Rob, this is this is bad. And and the reason why is like we got to compare him to his peers. And his peers to me are the LeBrons, the Stephs, the great the greatest players of this time, right? Like the people who have worn the proverbial belt. I would go backwards to Magic and Bird and people like that. Like 100%. he is now levitating with all those guys. Fair. 100%. And to lose in the first round in five games, this wasn't like a two and eight seed. It's brutal. It's brutal. Seed. This is bad. And some of it is the hubris of being like, these aren't do or die games. Giannis could miss a couple of games. It's completely fine. That was. I don't know why they rested on their laurels with that one. And just again, like in this game, Giannis just wasn't good enough. Some of their worst possessions was Giannis starting the ball, dribble, 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 22 feet out. And those those possessions going absolutely nowhere and having no chances. And what I like about people like, say, KD or people like, say, Steph is no matter what, I can just inbound the ball to that guy and something good is going to happen at some yeah. point. But that's where he was in 2021. And I even felt last year, um, the reason they lost to Boston had nothing to do with him. He, yeah, they, the there was this Grayson Allen kind of bench thing where it just, they didn't have enough guys stepped up in Boston's depth and the fact that they had game seven at home. Um, and Grant Williams hit all those threes. This year was different. Those two Miami games were among like the great choke jobs in the playoffs of this century. Brutal. And, to me, this team, whether he wants to admit it or not at this point, that team goes down historically with some of the great flameouts we've had. The the 94 Nuggets beating the Sonics, the 07 Warriors beating the Mavs, like just these shocking results. The 84 Nets beating the Sixers. Um, even the, the 86 Lakers losing to the Rockets, even though that was the conference finals. Same kind of thing where it was like, whoa, wait, this might be happening. Now it's too crazy. Can't believe it. And then all of a sudden, Samson's making that crazy shot, a lot, a lot like what the Jimmy Butler game time shot looked like in game five. I think that it was a complete collapse of coaching, of guys just not seeming to want the ball. Like when Giannis got that, that tip and he just kind of flung it toward Middleton because he didn't want to get fouled. What happened the last eight seconds when Giannis had the ball and it wasn't there and then it was basically hot potato. It yep. ends with Grayson Allen just dribbling out the clock. Like, this is like historic shit that I feel like I'm going to remember 30 years from now. Like, whoa, remember the Bucks when they when Jimmy Butler just snatched their heart out? Butler, Waz, have you ever seen an NBA player in a playoff game talk more shit than Butler I, talked to Drew Holiday? Oh, my God. Ever? He he was waving his fingers at him, pointing at him. He was screaming every single possession, every single timeout. He's yelling in his direction because, of course, Drew Holiday has this reputation as the best defender, you know, perimeter guy in the league. And Jimmy Butler's making mincemeat of that dude. And again, Jimmy was way better than Giannis in this game. I, he was. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think hand it that to can be overstated. He was just a much better player. He's guarding Giannis. He's guarding Lopez. He's like... Put anybody. I'll guard anybody out here. And then he's eviscerating every single matchup to the point where Bud is like, all right, let's put Giannis on a dude that's spacing out to three in Kevin Love instead of Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo. That was terrible. All the action is yeah. centered around. It's I, I, That look, was terrible. Man, it, it, I, 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 it's bad. It's bad. I don't want to be too hard on the dude. I don't want to go full first take here. But I, <laughs> I, I, I do think you have to question like, when you watch Steph miss, he's two of 10 last night, still drops 30, still yeah. getting eight assists, still the fulcrum of everything that they're doing on that end. And Giannis, that just wasn't the case. Well, regardless, I mean, what's inarguable 
Jimmy Butler ripped out the Bucks yes. still beating Hart, right? And if there yeah. was a belt to take, he took it. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm going to do something that's a little dangerous with exercises like this, which is I'm going to try to understand the rules of what the championship belt <laughs> is and represents. Do you need to beat the guy with the belt to take the belt? Is there like a chain of custody with this thing? Rob, great question. Um, <laughs> Bill's ready. <laughs> I spelled it out. I have the belt. I'm just going backwards from 2022 or 23 to uh, 1971. Giannis had it, right? Basically for the last four years. Even though Curry won the title, I still feel like people left that season like Curry, amazing, one of the best ever. Yeah. But Giannis, if still like if you just gave him 11 crappy teammates, he's still probably the best player in the league. It was one of the two of them. It was Kawhi in 2019 had it for a few months. LeBron basically had it during those last couple Cleveland years from when he won in 2016 all the way through that crazy 2018 series. Curry had it before for like a year, but it was kind of like it was almost a vacated belt. It was like when Nobody Roman Reigns got sick. It, it was like, it. wait, I guess Curry <laughs> has the belt, but are, are we sure he's the champ? Uh, before that, it was LeBron. Dirk had it for a year in 2011. Kobe had it for three to four years. Duncan had it for basically the mid-2000s. Shaq had it 0-0-0-1-0-2. 99 was vacant because of the lockout. MJ had it those last three years. Hakeem for two. MJ for three. Magic for four, Bird for a bunch of years, like probably four. Moses, he had it for a couple. Kareem, then it's like Kareem, Walton, Kareem going backwards. Julius, ABA, Kareem in the NBA. Wilt, 1972, and then Kareem. Oh, wow. You're giving Wilt a belt touch? Wilt here? in 72, like demolished everybody in the playoffs. Okay. So my point is, you kind of knew who the guy was. Yeah. And usually it revolved around, did you win the title or did you almost win the title? And there are some exceptions. Like the 2014 playoffs, the Spurs win. You're not going to say like, oh, Kawhi is the belt now. He didn't. It was LeBron was still the best player in the league. Last year, Curry won, but I still think there was a really good Curry-Giannis uh, argument. Now we go to this year. I think whoever is left standing has the belt. So I'm going to give you four candidates and then three honorable mentions. First one, Jokic. So let's talk about him. Yep. This is set up for Jokic now. You could say he was the best regular season player of the last three years. Um, he's had a couple playoff moments, but nothing like substantial and deep. He had a dog shit team last year. Really bad luck with, uh, with the Murray injury. But now it's set up. They're the one seed. They have this Phoenix team that looks, still looks a little discombobulated. Chance to play either the Warriors or the Lakers. They're going to have home court at least until, until the finals if they keep going. And Jokic is the day-to-day -day most impactful offensive player in the league. I think we can all agree on that, right? Yeah. If you're just saying yeah, who puts board. their imprint day after it's day or, offensively. And Steph are yeah. the conversation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, where you're always, you're never going to veer off course too much if you have one of those guys. So, Rob, are you prepared to live in a world where Jokic is the best player in the league in seven weeks? Absolutely. Okay. I'm also prepared to live in a world where he gets cooked defensively in a way where we can't even really make the argument that can be Where the conversation is now off the table. It's off the table. So, I mean, both of those things can be true, right? I think what we saw from the first round, as if we needed more proof of it, like he carved the Timberwolves up, right? P like pushed all the right buttons, made all the right plays. And what we also learned from the first round is this Phoenix defense is pretty carvable at the moment, right? Mm. Pretty vulnerable. There's a mm. lot to exploit. I, I cannot wait to see that matchup, but the give and take of that is going to tell us a lot about where Jokic is in this conversation. Yeah, he's going to have his work cut out for him between what KD's doing in pick and roll and what Devin Booker's doing right now, because Devin Booker looks absolutely unconscious right now. And so, yeah, Jokic, I can, if, if Jokic finds a way to get to the finals this year, he has as good an argument as anybody um, has ever had because he's succeeding despite his weaknesses and the competition because I'm, I'm not convinced that anybody but the Warriors is coming out of that Sacramento, Memphis Warriors group. So Lakers. he would have to beat, the, uh, yeah. yeah, Lakers group, excuse me. So he would have to beat the Warriors. He would have to beat KD, Book, Chris Paul um, in the second round to get to the finals. Yeah, he would solidify his claim. And it would show that his defensive shortcomings aren't so great that um, this team can't overcome it.
that's the thing, right? It's not, do you have weaknesses as a player? Like we like yeah. to pretend that some of the past grades were perfect and had all kind of like watertight all around games. It's do you win anyway, right? Does it, yep. does it matter or can you overcome whatever it is that's holding you back as a player? Yeah, like every great player has had some form of weakness, right? Giannis didn't really want to get fouled and Giannis was being left open from 15 feet and he still made it work and won the title. Curry had a lot of, oh, Curry's six for 20 right now. He'll have those games from time to time. Boneheaded turnovers. Yeah, he called a timeout with no timeouts left on Sunday. It's not, None of these guys are perfect, and you can LeBron pick them apart. LeBron invented that whole pick-and-roll switch, hunt the guy against Steph Curry. Like, yeah. Those yeah. are some of Steph's weaknesses for sure. Yeah, and I've made this point before, and it sounds like I'm making an excuse for Jokic, but his one deficiency is just really glaring. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> it's, it's so the equivalent obvious. of Giannis just being unable to shoot from 15 feet. Like, when Jokic is on an island and somebody goes by him, which, by the way, is pretty much the entire league at this point, it's not like LeBron is locking up people from 25 oh, feet away either. No. But when somebody blows by Jokic, it looks 100 times worse. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, Jokic, Jesus. Um, I never thought his defense was that bad. I never thought Curry's defense was that bad either. I actually and, think Curry's like a pretty good defensive player. And the thing about Yoke, too, is that the league is so pick-and-roll heavy. And so when teams want to, like, go after him, it's like you're watching it happen play after play after play. It's like in slow play. motion. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's tough. There's, there's a difference between being a target and everyone knowing that you're yes. a target, right? It's it, it makes a world of difference. The other interesting thing about Yoke, it's just, just the putting the actual crown on as the best guy in the league. He, I don't think anybody has ever cared less that has ever passed through yeah. passed through these circles and walked down the tunnel of like, I wonder if people will now think I'm the best guy in the league. Even Giannis, who I think is among the most authentic stars we have in any sport. I yeah, He cares a little, right? He's competitive. You always no, hear him he talking he about cares. other great players and things he learns. He does care. He cares. he cares about it. And Jokic probably deep down cares, but um, watching him throw away the MVP the last month of the season and just kind of sick games. And he, he was not like, oh man, if I can get 50 tonight, the conversation will sway back to me. He just doesn't care. I think he just oh, wants to win. Like he's playing against Rudy and Cat, and it, it doesn't feel personal for him. <laughs> it's like, no. He's just going out and, and doing his job. It doesn't feel it's like, you know what? People used to compare me to Carl Anthony Towns and think this guy was better than me. I'm going to kick his butt. He's right. just playing. He's just, he, he is going out and kicking those guys' asses, but it doesn't feel personal when he's doing like, I remember the game when it was like two years ago, Giannis was playing against the Lakers and he kind of had a big play to, to, to end the game and he, did the crown on his head, right? Like, that was clearly a shot at LeBron. Like, I, I'm taking it personal when I play against you. You right. will never see Jokic do something like that, ever. Yeah, what would no. have to happen for Jokic to give himself the crown? Would he have to win the triple crown himself? Like, would he have to, to, to go into his second career? We might have to see it, you know? I feel like the it, crown would have had to belong to one of these Eastern Bloc guys who he has a personal relationship uh, with. Right. And then he would make it personal. Yeah, some country versus country thing. Or it's like in the in-season tournament, if the MVP gets an actual crown, he'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to put this thing on. <laughs> um, all right, I want to hit the other candidates, but let's take a quick break. The NBA playoffs are here and they're rocking and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash BS right now, place a $5 bet and you'll get an instant 150 bucks back in bonus bets. Win or lose. Great bets on FanDuel. We just did one on Wednesday night. We teamed together, me, FanDuel. We did a boost. We did Giannis double-double in game five. We did LeBron double-double in game five. Both had to hit. They boosted it to 200 plus 200. Guess what? It hit. That's the kind of bet you'll find on FanDuel. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Just go to FanDuel.com slash BS. Sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel is an official sports betting partner of the NBA, you must be 21 plus and president select states. First online real money wager only. Ten dollar deposit required. Refund issues non withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here in Massachusetts. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24/7 support. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text. Hope and why FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. 
in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLE or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Louisiana, 877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In Wyoming, 800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. All right, best part championship belt. We talked about Jokic. Let's talk about Curry. So if you're just talking big picture, who has the most to gain from an actual championship run? Um, it's funny, we have a lot of candidates for, wow, this would completely change how we think about this person historically, even LeBron. If LeBron got his fifth, if LeBron won a title in year 20, that's just an amazing monkey wrench for how people discuss his career, him versus Jordan, all that stuff. You go down the line, it would affect everybody. Curry beating LeBron and the Lakers, assuming the Lakers win, getting through Jokic in the next round, where basically like the the offensive player that levitates above the sport crown is on the line, and then him winning again in the finals. Then it's like, now we're talking about him as one of the like really great players ever. Not like, oh, he's one of the 15, 16 greats. Now it'd be like, okay, Curry versus Kobe. Curry is the best player of this century. Like a whole different thing of of stuff comes out. Um, then you think, Rob, about all the weird shit that happened with this team this year and how shitheads like me were doing podcasts like less than a week ago about could they get swept in round one by the Kings and the resolve and the DNA of this team and a little luck too. Like if that Barnes wide open three goes in, they're down three, one. I don't know what the series looks like, but, uh, not only do they write the ship, but it feels like he's the safest bet now. Would you say for just, being awesome in a playoff series, I would say he's replaced Giannis at least for that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to show up for these games. And most importantly, his impact on his teammates is going to show up for these games. Like when you look at some of, some of these contests with the Kings, are, these are close games all throughout. They're kind of give and take. But what do the Kings have or what do the Warriors have that the Kings don't? And it's championship experience, sure. It's like some defensive flexibility. It's all that stuff. But really, it's Steph. And it's his shot making and his gravity and his impact. And there was this play, this clip in game three that made the rounds online. Right before halftime of that game, Steph missed a shot. Looney got the offensive rebound because, of course, he did. Kicked it back out to Steph. Steph hits like a back-breaking three. And someone zoomed in on like every member of the Kings bench when he hits that shot. And the sheer look of hopelessness captured on their faces, the, the pure like, what the fuck do we do with this guy energy? That happened that with is, the Celtics in game four, too. It's the same look. That's the Steph case, right? And there is not a more backbreaking play in basketball right now than when Steph misses and gets another shot to reload because you just know how hopeless it is, right? It, you, you cannot let him miss one shot and give him another opportunity because he will beat you. Yeah, that's that's why, to me, it's going to be hard to mount a case that's better than Steph's, in my humble opinion, right? I think there are guys who can get to great levels. Like, just for instance, Joel Embiid, if he ever plays as good as he does in the regular season, in the playoffs, for once in his freaking career, then you could be like, yo, man, this guy might be the best player in the league, for real. But Steph does that every single playoff. And it, there's what he does to, like, this people are despondent after he makes a big bucket, but the panic he induces before the bucket even goes in is just crazy. And then somehow at 34 years old, he's never been better as a one-on-one player, isolation player, Yeah, where Davion Mitchell, this guy is a pit bull. Yeah. He's a great at-the-point-of-attack defender. Steph is blowing by this dude. He's finishing better than he ever did. It's, yeah, to me... Steph is the guy for me that, like, when I'm watching him, just like, there's no way this guy's going to miss a big shot. There's no way he's not going to make the right pass when they double and triple team him. He's just unstoppable. Yeah, Russell and I talked on Sunday about whether Steph is better now than he was during that crazy sure 2016 like it, run. Man. Yeah, the, the thing that feels just different and better, first of all, is the legacy of He's put together so many games now that what Rob mentioned about sucking the life out of the other team, now there's like a real resume of, oh shit. It's like the horror movie. It's like when you're watching Scream 6, you're like, oh boy, 
Oh, they got a phone call. This is going to go badly. And you just kind of know from the other screen movies. Um, the other thing with him that I just don't feel like he had in the same way in 16 was how strong he is when he gets a split step on a guy now and he's riding the guy on his hip and he's just mastered sticking his, his right arm out with the ball and bringing it back. And it just feels like he only needs an inch now to score. And I don't, I don't really remember that in the same way in 2016. I almost want to go back and watch some. In 2016, it felt way more jump shotty, fast break layup-y, but not like this half court. He didn't have that get to the rim strength, stuff. Bill. No, he, I don't you feel like knock he did. Him off his square very easily back in those days, like easily right. rattled. That was sort of the game plan: was to get in his airspace, crowd him, rough him up. That was the thing: rough Steph Curry up. Can't do that you'll, anymore. You'll have a no. He's unmovable now. <laughs> it's crazy. Next guy, my my third of my four choices. I mean, it's on the table for Jimmy Butler, incredibly. It, right. it, it is. If he, if, if he rips through the Knicks in round two in New York, not having home court advantage in any round, then he goes through, I would assume, the Celtics and Tatum and Brown, the Young Bucks, and goes in there and does that. And then... In the last round, you're getting Jokic or Curry or, or LeBron or whoever you're going to throw at him, Durant, and he just wins four straight rounds doing this crazy alpha thing. I, we would leave the season the same way we left with Kawhi in 2019. Like, hey, man, we have a new champ. There we go. And it's a wrap, right? Yeah. How are you feeling on on zombie watch overall, Bill? Like the prospect of the Heat and the Celtics potentially meeting in the conference final. Are you are you boarding up the windows? Are you taking stock of the canned goods? Where where are you at? I am like the old lady in one of those like horror movies that is just outside screaming to people on the street that so and so is coming and nobody listens. <laughs> that was what I was like for six months. Even I gave up though. I, I can't take a full victory lap because after that first playing game, I'm like, I'm out. The zombie heater no more. Then they lose Hero. What's crazy, though, is, you know, they shot 45% from three in the series. That's like zombie heat shit. Like when you have yeah. Gabe Vincent just pulling up from 28 in, in crunch time of a game, just bearing it. Or that play in game four, who's a Caleb Martin when he had Giannis on him in the yeah. corner? Right and in he's the face. like, oh, I can't shoot this. Giannis is, no, I'm actually going to shoot it. And he just makes it. <laughs> um, or you have Kevin Love, who was given up for dead by Cleveland for reasons that remain unclear. And now he's putting up a 15-12 in an elimination game. That's zombie stuff, Rob. That's, yeah. that's where you're like, all right, this is just great coaching and a really tough team. I thought, Wow, I loved how Bam played yesterday, too. That was probably one of my yeah. favorite Bam performances. Yeah, that adjustment that Spo made where he's letting Bam orchestrate everything so that he's taking Lopez out of the paint. And Bam did a couple of things, too, where he made a couple of jump shots so that when he dribbled towards Lopez, Lopez had to move up. He couldn't just stay there, right? He couldn't have the confidence that he couldn't make that shot. And so Bam with that, I think he had something like nine assists yesterday. That was, you know, that was everything for them, especially in the fourth in overtime. But yeah, Jimmy Butler, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm talking to our guy, Verrier, um, watching this game. And I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Why are they still in the dropped coverage? Yeah. Justin's like, hey, Bud likes math. This guy, Butler shoots at the Mendoza line. This is the right call in Bud's <laughs> mind. I'm like... You can't do this. You got to throw that out the window with Jimmy Butler. He shoots threes now. Every playoff, he turns into a pull-up assassin. He's in mid-range. He's backdoor cutting you to death. You can't stop him from getting to the rack. Like, bro, you, you have to throw all of your stuff out the window. You got to treat him like he's KD or something right. in the playoffs. It's crazy. But, yeah, if he continues to play like this, he's playing as good, if not better, than everybody. Every well, single player in the NBA, which is crazy to say. And he's one of the two momentum guys in the league now, the other being Steph, where yeah, I don't know what it is, but when he gets going, you can feel it. The other team feels it. The audience feels it. I've been in the room when it happens where you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh-oh. I don't like the look in his eye. And he just gets going. He also like, you know, he missed that three at the end of game seven that he should have taken. He missed it three yesterday where it was pretty clear he should have just gone in the basket, but that's part of whatever zone he's in now. He thinks he can make everything. He's not afraid of anything. And his fearlessness um, would, it's a little reminiscent of the Kawhi Toronto run for me. 
Mm. It doesn't totally make sense, but until somebody beats him, I think he has to be in the mix. My fourth choice. So I gave you Jokic, I gave you Curry, I gave you Butler. My fourth choice might surprise both of you. Who do you think it is? Just from the setup. My fourth choice will surprise both of you. Who is who am I picking for my fourth guy? If it's not KD, it's it's a surprise to me. Well, <laughs> could it be KD's teammate Devin Booker? Could you make it a is Devin, Devin Booker case? It is Devin Booker. Wow. And it wasn't anything I, I wasn't fully prepared to go there until I went to the game on Saturday. Russell and I talked about it a little, but I'll do it again. Like I was so impressed by everything. I was impressed by how he was carrying. There's like a real alpha sense with him now in person. Um, the way he carries himself, the way his teammates kind of respond to him and play off him, not just during the game, but in the timeouts, like him just screaming at DeAndre eight for 45 seconds, how fucking hard he plays. Yep. That was like the, as Huge. hard as I've seen anybody play in person, except for maybe Giannis in the last couple of years, where he was just like balls to the wall the whole time, trying his ass off, really pissed when Westbrook would beat him. And, and offensively, he's got every shot now. You know, and the fact that KD has given him more space, I just think like from a two-guard total package standpoint of anybody that's been in the league since Jordan, um, from a traditional two-guard, the kind of two-guard we we all grew up with that we're used to seeing, he he brings the most to the table. And I, I could totally see him putting together three more rounds like that and us being like, wow, Devin Booker is the best player in the league. Didn't see that one coming. But I'm flagging it now because I do think it's in play. Rob, your thoughts. He was he would is on my list too. I think in part the idea that is this kind of the run where he ascends, right? Where he hits such a ridiculous level of play, like we've seen already, and sustains it to the point that he's kind of undeniable. And he made that case against the Clippers. I thought, you know, that was a series where the Suns had a hard time just getting Durant shots, honestly. Like they were trying to get him the ball. He was being pushed off his spots. It was hard to make clean catches. And that's part of why, like, even without Kawhi and Paul George, the Clippers were constantly threatening to draw out that series, to make it a slog, to extend yeah. it. Devin Booker had other ideas, you know? And he it was just a ruthless, efficient showing. And I can't wait to see how that stacks up against the Nuggets. He also kind of spiritually fits this conversation, right? If we're talking about the idea of a belt for the best player, he's going at your best defenders. He's going at yeah. whoever you throw into him the relentlessness of that, he is going to steal it from you. And that's, I think, as much as anything, you know, not only the fact that he is matching Jimmy, like almost point for point, really like stat for stat in the playoffs so far, he's logging to our points about his effort, as much total mileage as any player in the playoffs to date. He yeah. just has the mentality of a guy who could take it. And, so and the respect, the respect of the other players too, dating back to like when KD was on my podcast in 2017 and identified him, which is another great thing about being the best or one of the best is when the current great guys are like that guy. He's got something a little extra. Waz, where do you stand on Booker? I mean, I I absolutely love Booker. He's he's blown me away. Uh, you know, <laughs> every time Giannis doesn't doesn't uh, achieve something, I think about the bag talk. How Giannis doesn't have a bag. Devin Booker has five bags. <laughs> right. um, he is insane. Like when. when Rob talks about the distance he's covering. He's become a Reggie Miller type, Ray Allen type off the ball when he's not dominating the ball. And then when he needs to, he's going to go at you. He can go at you in isolation. He's incredible, incredibly crafty at pick and roll. Spot up. You cannot leave this man open even for a second. It's crazy. The mid-range, he's finishing. Like, he is... It, 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 it's it's a beautiful to watch. It's just KD, you know. He's 6'10", and he's doing all the things that Booker does. So it's like, for me, I'm always going to be like, KD, my mind just automatically defaults to KD. But what we saw from Booker in the first five games of the playoffs, um, it's up there with, with anybody. I just think, you know, KD has a longer track record of doing it. And, yeah. you know, it's KD. It's KD. Well, we could say Sun TBD for that fourth spot. But <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. you know, one good thing with Booker is that Dallas series was so embarrassing last year and he wasn't very good in it either. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that maybe that's part of, he's also at the right time of his career, I think. I think there's still a little chip on the shoulder with him because he doesn't get discussed with these guys. He got hurt this year, right when he was playing. Like he would have been first team all NBA, no question. 
if he doesn't get hurt. So it's the right time of career for him. It's chip on the shoulder. He's finally got a second guy who can space the floor for him and help him out a little bit. Um, Three more guys we just got to do quickly. Embiid. It is sitting there, but I I think all of us are dubious. He's already hurt. Yeah. You got to show me. Right, why is no it that you want to discuss it? No Probably, anything to no. add? It, because it, it, it really does get underrated how much worse Embiid has been in the playoffs his whole career. He's yeah. played worse than his regular season output every single playoff his whole career. That's what Ben Simmons was kind of trying to get at on our guy JJ's podcast. Where he's like, you know, everybody's talking about me, but like not everybody was just, you know, Michael Jordan out there. He was basically intimating like it's not as if Joel was world-dominating, you know, destroyer of everything. He wasn't, and he hasn't been. Not once. Think about, you know, even the Toronto series at points last year. A bunch of smart people went into that thinking, yo, Toronto could knock these fools off. And towards the end of that series, it started looking like, yo, that was actually kind of possible. And so, right. yeah, Joel, I, I don't know, man. I, I, he got to show me for once ever in his career where it's always somebody else's fault. There's always some kind of excuse. I got to see or an injury, that dude. Yeah, he's shooting 46.7% in the playoffs. That first year against Boston in 18 which I went to some of those games. He just didn't seem like he was in good enough shape yet. He could put together like six good minutes, but couldn't carry the whole time. Um, 2019 was when they lost to Toronto and he was bad in that series. I think he shot like 38, 39% in the Toronto series. 2020, they got swept. 2021 was the bubble in the Atlanta series where Ben Simmons, I will not defend Ben Simmons, no, but it's not possible. he wasn't wrong <laughs> when he pointed out that Embiid wasn't great in that series. Like that still could have been an Embiid throws everyone on his back and does it. Last year, Embiid got banged up. We just haven't seen it yet, Rob. And and he's been in the league. He was in the 2014 draft. It's 2023. We haven't seen Jeez. it yet. We haven't seen it yet. I mean, all of those do have their respective asterisks. This is honestly one of my all-time favorite Waz takes. The, the pro accountability for Joel take. <laughs> Is, is beautiful stuff. It is. It is a there chef's is, kiss, Was There is the part of me that wants to go, what about the non-Joel minutes, though, and how they tank yeah, every oh, year? For sure, for sure, for sure. So, so there is Especially that. Especially against Toronto. Like, he was yes. the only guy it that was, could yeah, defend anything for whatever reason. It's and fair. Yeah. But there's always a catch, right? There is always an injury. There's always an illness. There's always an explanation. At some point, you have to do it. And I think what's difficult for him in this position, already being hurt at this point, He's not going to get the shot that Jimmy Butler did where teams are going to guard you one-on-one and make you put up 50 to beat them. He's never going to get that. He's always going to be double and triple teamed. They're always going to try to make him win with the pass. He's going to have to prove that his gravity is so powerful that he can turn every sixer into a flamethrower. I don't know if Philly has that personnel, and maybe it's not fair to say like Joel can only get the beat or get the get the belt if like D'Anthony Melton hits I, his I threes. I thought you were comparing him to Hashim to beat. <laughs> I would, right. I would never, I would never step on your corner, Waz. I know that's where you're ultimately going in the next segment. No, 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 no. Shouts to Hashim, though. But like Embiid is going to have to flex on people to secure this kind of standing, and I don't, I just don't know if he's going to get that sort of defensive opportunity with the way people are going to try to guard him. Six guys, Tatum, and I think it's too early. And you felt it in Game Five. Now we're taping this before Game Six. Maybe he's going to have 65 points in Game Six. I doubt it. Um, <laughs> I just don't think from a consistency standpoint, from an impact on the game standpoint, I look at him versus somebody like Booker and I know Jason's put up 39 and five all season and he's gotten a lot better in a lot of ways, but I still don't trust it on the level of like where Jimmy Butler got to against Milwaukee, where Curry can go, where Jokic can go just game after game after game, where even a bad Jokic game is 20, 14 and nine assists. That's like, the floor for Jokic. The floor for Tatum is a game like Game 5. Yeah, Yeah, where he's one for 10 from threes and a bunch of layups and no mid-range stuff and no real sense for like, ah, my team's veering the wrong way. I'm going to get to the line and make some impact plays. Or I'm going to... It's like, I still feel like he's putting it together. And I don't mean that as a negative. I think he's a year to two years away from really being the guy he's going to be. And I just find it hard to believe we're going to leave mid-June going, the best player in the league is now Jason Tatum. It seems early, Rob. 
well, do you even leave a lot of Celtics games thinking like the best player on the floor was Jason Tatum, right? Like he's a lot of times it's Jalen Brown. Yeah, finals. I thought Jalen was better than him in the finals last year. I mean, he's often a reason the Celtics win, but there just aren't enough of those like unimpeachable, again, Jimmy Butler level performances where there is clear and convincing evidence that he is that dude. He's great. He's awesome. He's balanced. He does so many things so well. But we're talking about the best players in the sport. And I think when you stack up these guys one next to the other, he's often the one who gets edged out by your Stephs and your Jokic's and your Giannis's and even your Embiid's. Yeah, I think he moved behind Booker right now, but he can still, he can, he can pull himself back. He also was on the best team of all these guys, like the best one through nine group, um, which I think is an advantage for him because he, if he has an off night, there's four other guys that can step up. Like you can have the random Derek White game. You can have the Brogdon off the bench for 25 game. Like nobody else has that. Last guy is LeBron. LeBron. (laughs) Current day LeBron? Current day LeBron. One foot LeBron? One foot LeBron. Taking quarters off LeBron. Um, There's still, there's still an aura about him. There's still an effect on the other guys there's still a sense with him that he's going to come through when they really need him to come through. It still feels like he can fill the stat line when he wants. You watch a game like game five against uh, Memphis last night when, you know, he, he was doing the same thing he did in the first quarter of game four. It was just like, I'm not expending a lot of energy. I'm not sure we can win this game. I'm not going to, I have seven bullets in my gun. I no, don't know if I'm shooting a bullet in this game yet. I'm going to see. I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I'm going to cruise along. Do I need, do I need to shoot one of my bullets yet? And the answer was no in that game, but he was thinking about it. There was in the fourth quarter, especially they got within like 14 and, and you could see him like, do I fight? It's like fast and furious. Do I, do I hit the Nas? Do I not, do I just save it? And you could, it was clear. It's like, you know what? Game six, um, I'll unleash Holy Hill in that game. In a series, Rob, the reason I think LeBron's in this conversation is you only have to do that four times. I only need four monster LeBron games. This is kind of what Jimmy Butler has figured out, although he played more than 50% in this last game. But Jimmy Butler in the Boston series last year, he basically played three awesome games, three shit games and one solid game. I do think LeBron in a seven-game series has four I'm as good as anyone on this court games. So that's why he has to be mentioned. I don't think he should be in the lead list of candidates, but he has to be mentioned. So you, you don't think he should even be in this. Look, he, he deserves mention. Like any, you would have any all-time conversation yeah. or like top of the league conversation. Let's throw his name out there. It's a perfectly fair thing to do. I'm just watching him like chill 35 feet from the rim. He has not put it on tape in the first round. He just hasn't. It, he has not put the, the performance together to indicate that he's at the level of Devin Booker. You know, um, it just hasn't happened. But is that happened. intentional though? Is he, is he just think, saving it because he I knows think- he has... He's basically a car that's at 190,000 miles about to go cross country. Yes. Which you're not just <laughs> yes. hopping in a car and going. You're like, we got to stop every two hours. We got to get yeah. gas. I got to check the oil. We got to open my tires. Is on deck. Yeah, we got to yep. make sure the tires are aligned. <laughs> like you're really careful going cross country. I think that's what he's doing. But there's um, a difference between picking your spots and as you're saying, conserving ammo because you know you only have this many, right? It's, yeah. it's not a matter yeah. of like, I need to exert and then rest and exert and then rest. Like Jimmy Butler, what was that, game four, where he just had a massive first quarter, massive fourth quarter. Right, he Open, died like, in between. Opening case, closing case, done. Yeah. I, LeBron is like, he has to think that way, not just within every game, but within whatever the Lakers playoff run is going to be. Like there's just only so much he's going to be able to do on that foot. As, as, I, as I said before, the reason why I love sports and why I, I'm, I'm so in love with LeBron's career is that he put off this surgery just so they could do this. They could give Memphis a scare, possibly beat them, possibly make it to the second round and give whoever, you know, a nice one and two. Like, he put off this surgery just so he could participate in this. You know, at this stage of his career, um, this type of player that he is at this point, just so he could do this, you know, that there was a chance that they could get a young Memphis team, a Sacramento team in the first round, make some noise. You never know. Somebody gets injured, blah, 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 blah. Like that shows you how much LeBron cares about this. And he's, you know, it's happening. Like they're on the brink of going to the second round. Um, But man, watching him. 
in game five, I mentioned this on group chat. He he drove to the lane, fell on the floor with nobody around him. He just <laughs> fell down. Dude. Old guy, old guy <laughs> basketball. Well, you know, maybe his championship belt is it, he's in a different conversation where if they win a title, he he now gets some real hardware to flash in the Jordan argument. Yeah. It was like, hey, did Jordan win a title in his 20th year? I'm one away from Jordan. I have the same as Kobe. So he's probably in that one. Uh, last guy, just a bonus I'm throwing out. Um, Mitchell Robinson, three rounds away. <laughs> is Closer this, than you was, think. Is this, was, is this what Will Chamberlain was like to watch in Dude. 1967? So I'm I, like, before the series, I'm like, the Knicks don't really have a lot of high impact guys, right? Like the Cavs have. Mobley, Mitchell, yeah. and Garland. Like, these are high impact. You got to divert extra resources to stopping them, right? And I'm like, the Knicks, I love Jalen Brunson. I think he's going to be an impact guy, but like, Randall's not going to do anything. RJ's not going to do anything. They don't have a high impact guy. Mitchell Robinson is that person. You have to devote multiple resources to boxing this man out. And these dudes would not even look at the rim when he was down there. Like, you just don't even think about trying to take a layup, a floater, any of that. He's swallowing it up. I underestimated and slept on this dude. You're right to bring him up in this combo, Bill. R Rob, he, he might have been first team, first team All-NBA center of the of round one. It's him or Jokic. <laughs> unbelievable. I, he he kind of destroyed Jared Allen. I don't know if Jared Allen can Bro. come back. Bro. I, I try not to overreact to these things. You know, like, there are ebbs and flows to playoff series. There are bad matchups. Can we look at Jared Allen the same way again after no. 18 no. offensive rebounds over the last two games for Mitchell Robinson? Just moving That's Allen out of the way, insane. pulling him down whenever he wanted. No, he, he's, he was he like the third the Plumley Cavs. brother. It was, he was Jared no. Allen Plumley. Like, well, Mitchell Robinson was all three Plumleys stacked up. That's how he'd <laughs> felt in this series. I had. I had an idea that he had it in him for one game because he's done it to the Celtics a couple times, but not where it got to in this Cleveland series where they they literally could not keep him away from the rim. He was just demolishing. It was like watching in high school where the one high school team just has a guy who's bigger than everybody else who just keeps knocking stuff in. I was really impressed. Great job by him. Can't wait for uh, for round two. I'm glad we figured this out. I feel like we came to some sort of a list. We have a nice list of candidates. KD probably got overlooked, I think. I don't, we didn't talk about him enough, but whatever. Uh, guys, I don't feel like this podcast was a failure. Unlike Giannis and the Bucks, it's just steps. It's, it's steps toward an even greater podcast and a greater podcast future. Yeah, that's it. Success is a mindset. Success it was a great job. Uh, good to see you both. All right, that's it for part one of the podcast. Stay tuned for part two. It will be going up a little bit later on Thursday night. Celtics Hawks reactions, as well as NFL draft round one, and all the storylines from that. Can't wait. See you in part two.